This is Liquid Gold. Putting the days in holidays for you going on our fourth year here on Liquid Gold. Welcome back. I'm your host, Mike Wolf. Today, I'm going to be going over a couple of holiday drink ideas for you, both from the new book, Cheer, and a drink that we left out. We just, I just ran out of time uh, and wanted to get this drink in there. I'm talking Coquito. So I'm going to talk a little bit about that. And we are talking the Tom and Jerry today. The Tom and Jerry drink is one of the great holiday drinks. It's basically eggnog, but it's warm. It's served warm. And there's a few different ways you can do it. I'm going to talk about the way that we do it here in the book and a way that it's done up in Tom and Jerry country, which is really up in Wisconsin, Minnesota, kind of that really cold area of the Midwest, a great place to have a Tom and Jerry. As always, you can find us on the new website, liquidgold.show. You can go through the archives and find some of the delicious holiday content that we've done over the last four years. And shout out to our producer, Michael Eads, and everybody at We Own This Town. Check out everything going on at the We Own This Town podcast network over at weownthistown.net. The music show, Mom Cult, is a new one. That's really cool for all you moms out there or dads. Um, check that one out. Got some cool events going on this weekend I want to tell you about. I'll be in Charleston, South Carolina. Be popping up at Edmunds Oast Exchange. Really amazing bottle shop. They've got books in there. And they're doing a little holiday market thing on Saturday. That's Saturday, December 17th. And I'll be there from 3 to 5. It's kind of going on all afternoon into the evening. I'll be there pouring some punch from 3 to 5 at Edmunds Oast Exchange. They're in Charleston. Really excited about that. And shortly after that, I'll be heading across the bridge to St. John's Island and uh, popping up at Monero. Absolutely incredible Mexican restaurant. The chef, Shamil Velasquez, who we had on our Coquito episode, will be doing a little Coquito collab. So we'll have that at the pop-up on Saturday, December 17th at Monero. We're doing that 6 to 8, 6 to 8 p.m. And cocktail correspondent Jess Backus will be there. She'll be in tow doing an Italian grandpa drink. I think we're going to do the commencement from the book and a drink that we did for years at Husk. Uh, Really delicious aperitif, digestif. It can go either way. It's got some sweetness. It's got some bitterness. And I think we're going to offer a tequila sidecar because Monero is just an incredible agave-centric place. And we're also going to be doing the tequila hurricane from the book Cheer, a liquid gold holiday drinking guide. We're out there promoting the book. Do check it out. It's available online, turnerpublishing.com, bookshop.org, all the places you would buy books. You can still get it for Christmas. And it's available here locally in Nashville at Parnassus, Bookshop East. So super easy to get some signed copies here in Nashville. You can hit me up on Instagram at MikeWolf underscore books. If if you're local here, in Tennessee, and you need a signed book, hit me up. I'll, I'll help you out, and we'll get we'll work something out for the holidays this year. So that's what's going on. And then another event coming up will be at doing a little eggnog pop-up at Josephine over there on 12 South, making some eggnog and hanging with our buddy Patrick Goodspeed over there. He's running the bar program over there. So that's at Josephine Thursday, December 22nd. Recording this on December 15th, so that's just a week away. And we'll be doing that kind of all night, 6 to 9 or so, pouring out some eggnog, making some holiday cocktails, and we'll have books there, signed books. You can get them personalized right before the holidays. 
I can write a custom recipe for your friend, for your spouse, even for your enemy. I'll write a, a customized recipe. If you come and uh, if you come to any of these pop-ups, find me, grab a book. I'll do a recipe for you. I remember I've done that before. I say, hey, well, what's this person like? What do they like to drink? And then I'll come up with a recipe for them right on the spot. So that's kind of fun. So come see me. I'll be out and about here over the next week or so. And thanks to uh, Kevin King, Jess Backus, Shamil, everybody at Edmonds Oast Exchange, and uh, really looking forward to hanging with my homegirl, Jessica Backus. And we will have, in this episode a little bit later, Jess's uh, holiday party planning guide that's a great old Bill Parcells story called Runways Last. We'll run that here at the end of this program today. I do need to uh, mention an old friend of mine, a guy I grew up with, an amazing basketball player, was on our state championship team back in high school. And we played hoops together off and on from the time he was a year younger than me. I was like probably eight years old when I uh, first kind of knew him, played, played some basketball together. His name's Ben Price. Rest in peace. We lost Ben um, right around Thanksgiving. And uh, he passed away peacefully in his sleep. And um, just been thinking about him a lot and a lot of the memories and, you know, in talking to my mom about it too, you know, you realize that there's always bad things that are going to happen in life and life is hard. What is the song? Life is hard. Love is rough. But we've got the memories and I've got a lot of great memories with Ben. But I do want to say rest in peace, rest in power. Ben, we love you. And uh, give our condolences to his family, the Price family out there in Denver, Colorado. So there are so many holiday-centric drinks, obviously, that we talk about in this book. It's a it's a liquid gold holiday drinking guide. There's even a few that we left out. So Coquito, we weren't able to get in there. So we'll be putting some of our uh, Coquito recipes and stuff here a little bit later in the episode. It's a really incredible tropical coconut flavored holiday cocktail from Puerto Rico that is just incredible. We had one of the best chefs in the South Puerto Rican Shamil Velasquez. We had him on a couple years ago to talk about it. And his recipe was just featured in Food and Wine magazine. So, and we'll be collaborating with him this weekend. So we got to talk Coquito. But first, we're going to talk about the Tom and Jerry. The Tom and Jerry is this incredible eggnog riff that you serve warm. And also, one of the great things about the Tom and Jerry is there are these punch bowl sets that you can get that were really popular in the mid-century here middle part of the 20th century, that is, and very popular in the Midwest. So I'm out here in Tennessee, and you know, if I get on Craigslist and I get on eBay, I can find them. I I got one to shoot the Tom and Jerry for the book, and let me just get on here on eBay. Let's see what we can find real quick, because you've still got time to find a Tom and Jerry punch bowl set right before the holidays. Here we go. I just found one with six cups it's $39 with uh, $17 shipping. Not bad. There's some buy it now options, $75. There's a really old one that looks really nice. Snowflake Fire King Tom and Jerry. That seems like that was uh, kind of a famous version of it. And then there's a really cool one that's green that I've never seen before. All the cups are green. That one's really, really cool. That's $45 with $25 shipping. So there's tons of them. Uh, it seems like right around $60 is what you're going to spend. 
And this is something you could break out during the holidays every year. Uh, We'll go ahead and post the picture of the Tom and Jerry set that we used for the photo shoot for Cheer. Shout out to Christine Souter, who did amazing photo work um, on this book. It was just a joy to work with her, and I hope to work with her on another book soon. So the Tom and Jerry is just flavorful holiday cocktail. Would be great for a party when it's going to be cold out. And actually, there is extremely cold weather that's supposed to be coming here to Tennessee a week from today. So right around Christmas Eve, we're going to have cold weather. We might even get some snow around the 22nd, 23rd, they're saying. Um, So this would be a good time of year to break this out. So this is a traditional Christmas drink. It's been uh, really popular in the Midwest, kind of upper Midwest, Wisconsin, Minnesota, definitely Tom and Jerry country up there. It's uh, it's really similar to eggnog. It's really just you can uh, make a batter. And we've got a recipe for the batter here in the book that I'll go over in just a second. And then you can mix the batter with hot water or you can mix it with hot milk. Hot milk is what I would prefer. That's just going to be more delicious. You're going to have a little more fat than water. So that that makes it more delicious. And where is this cocktail from? So a lot of people think that the cocktail, being a mid-century cocktail, was named after the cartoon characters Tom and Jerry. Not the case. It was actually that the Tom and Jerry, the cartoon characters that would chase each other around. Basically, I have a version of that going on in my house where the dogs and the cats are kind of at war with one another, essentially. But the Tom and Jerry... Uh, cartoon characters were named after the cocktail. And this cocktail, the Tom and Jerry drink, it's one of the earliest cocktails ever recorded. It might be the earliest. So Tom and Jerry, this kind of just lark of a hot eggnog drink, actually might be the first cocktail. It's quite possible. This goes back to the 1820s. A British journalist named Pierce Egan, Mr. Egan, he had a book and a play called Life in London. And the two main characters were Tom and Jerry. And so while, you know, anything that goes back 200 years, the history can be a little foggy, especially when alcohol is involved. But most scholars agree that this cocktail was uh, introduced as a way to kind of promote the book, promote the play, which was really common, kind of fascinating, really common in the 19th century If you had a play or a book, a lot of times people would come up with cocktails to promote it. So it'd be like Top Gun, the movie, coming out, and then there'd be like the Top Gun cocktail, which you wouldn't really see now. Um, Might be something to bring back. But uh, a lot of people thought also that Jerry Thomas, the famous 19th century bartender, often called the father of modern mixology, uh, which is kind of funny to say, but... uh, There were claims that he was the one who invented the Tom and Jerry, but that's really been debunked because this goes back a lot further than that. It was really the um, early part of the 20th century, say the 1920s, going on all the way through the 1950s. This is when this cocktail was really popular all over the Midwest, and uh, that's when the punch bowl sets came about. The punch bowl sets had to be really ubiquitous and had to be really popular because as I just mentioned about eBay, they're really easy to find. So it's pretty cool that there's, you know, still old vintage punch bowls that are readily available from this one cocktail that you really only serve this time of year. Without further ado, let's go over the batter here. Here's our recipe for the batter in cheer liquid gold holiday drinking guide. The batter for the Tom Jerry, Tom and Jerry is, uh, you need 12 eggs, 
one ounce of an aged rum. Uh, we recommend Four Squares, delicious rums. They're special. They're incredible. But really anything. You could go with an El Dorado. You could go with a Ron Baralito. Tons of great rums out there. The one ounce of aged rum. Four cups of organic sugar. Half ounce of allspice liqueur or uh, St. Elizabeth's Allspice Dram. We do have a recipe for allspice liqueur in the book where you can make your own, which can be delicious and pretty easy to make. Uh, Two teaspoons, two teaspoons of freshly ground nutmeg, one teaspoon powdered cinnamon, one teaspoon ground cloves, one teaspoon Maldon sea salt, which we love. We use it all over the book. Maldon has that kind of creamy flavor that's so great with ice cream, and so great with uh, with desserts, also great in beverages, especially desserty, Christmassy beverages. And then we're gonna do half teaspoon of ground mace, which is one of the key ingredients of ketchup, but is a really beautiful spice to kind of round things out. Goes really well with the other spices and sort of tames that uh, pumpkin spice quality of them. So those are your ingredients there. Now you wanna separate the eggs, Beat the yolks in a stand mixer, slowly adding the rum for a minute or so until they lighten. Gradually add sugar and keep beating until it dissolves. You add the spices and then you beat to incorporate the spices. Now in a separate bowl, you take the egg whites and you beat those until soft peaks form. Then you gently fold in the egg whites to the yolk, spices, and booze mixture. And if you're making this ahead, uh, you do want to cover and refrigerate it until it is Tom and Jerry time. And uh, with the booze in this mixture, it will keep for at least a week is what we say in the book, just to be safe for everybody. But with the booze in there, this batter, it only has an ounce and a half. We're going to up that once we make the drink. But with that much booze in there, I'd say this batter would keep for a month at least, maybe even three or four. Okay, now when it's Tom and Jerry time, Here's what you do. You take nine ounces of the Tom and Jerry batter, which we just gave you the recipe for. Then you want to do 24 to 32 ounces of whole milk, hot. And so you can bring that up slowly um, in a in a uh, in a pot on the stovetop. Just bring that up nice and slow. Let it get nice and hot. And then six ounces of aged rum, four ounces of cognac. And then you're going to garnish that with grated nutmeg and a cinnamon stick. And really for the holidays, if you're going to be making eggnog, you're going to be making Tom and Jerry, any drink like this, even Coquito, you want to have the whole nutmegs around because it's just such a different, more pure, more vibrant way to get that spice rather than just using powdered nutmeg. So splurge for the whole nutmegs. You'll only need a couple to get you through the whole holidays. So that's pretty easy. And then uh, we did mention the 24 to 32 ounces of whole milk, hot. Uh, You can also do hot water. And I'm going to have to give a shout out here. And I want to tell you about this method where you could have um, non-alcoholic Tom and Jerry's and you're going to use, and you still could use milk, but this, this recipe, and this was published in the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. So we're not giving away any secrets here or anything. This comes from the owner of Brian's Cocktail Lounge on Milwaukee's South Side, where that's where you want to get, you know, a really authentic uh, Tom and Jerry recipe or Tom and Jerry tips. This is from John Dye, who's the owner of Brian's Cocktail Lounge there. And I'm sure they're making brandy old fashions there and other Wisconsin classics. But during the month of December and right around Christmas, they have a whole Tom and Jerry room at this bar. 
where they're serving it. And it's really, it's all you drink in this one room in the, uh, in the bar. So got to give a shout out to them. And there are, if you wanted to get online, I feel like you could find these. If you want some like quote unquote authentic Wisconsin batters, if you don't want to go to the trouble of making it yourself, which I will say is not that hard, but there are uh, a couple of uh, local to Wisconsin brands. So Connolly's Tom and Jerry mix, which is made in Superior. And then uh, Mrs. Bowen's Tom and Jerry, which is made in Manitowoc, Wisconsin by Cedar Crest Ice Cream. So those are a few. If you really wanted to kind of search out and find something kind of interesting, maybe give it as a gift. Uh, but homemade's always better. Oh, and we got to we got to let you know that uh, they do a special Tom and Jerry mug, like a custom one, at Bryant's every year. They put the 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 year on it. They do a different mug every year. So super cool, man. This is the spot to get a Tom and Jerry if you're anywhere near Milwaukee. Give it a taste. Here's the batter that he uses. And what's great about this one is the you heat it up and you add the booze and you can do that separately. So if you wanted to have this, if you're having like some kids over, you wanted them to be able to enjoy it, you could make this non-alcoholic batter and then add the booze and the hot water or milk to it after the fact. But his batter is basically... Very similar, but he goes six eggs separated. So it's a little bit smaller batter batch. Uh, quarter teaspoon of salt, half teaspoon of vanilla extract, one cup or two sticks of butter, room temperature, one and a half pounds of powdered sugar, which is about five and a half to six cups, half a teaspoon of ground nutmeg, half a teaspoon of ground cloves, half a teaspoon of ground allspice. So he's using the ground allspice where we want to use the allspice liqueur, which is just beautiful. And then once you're going to make the cocktail, they have the brandy and rum and hot water kind of separated out on this recipe. And then freshly ground nutmeg and cinnamon sticks are the traditional garnish that he, that he mentions here as well. So you want to beat the egg whites and salt in a large glass mixing bowl until stiff peaks form. In a separate bowl, beat well the egg yolks and the vanilla extract. You mix the butter and powdered sugar by hand in a large bowl until sugar is incorporated with the butter. You mix that with beaters until light and fluffy. And you add the egg yolks to the butter mixture and mix. Stir in the nutmeg, cloves, and allspice, then add the beaten egg whites. Beat until well blended, but be careful not to overmix. Mr. Dye notes here that uh, the batter tastes best if it's used fresh, but will last about three days in the refrigerator. And the reason for that being different than our recipe in the book is because he doesn't really have booze in the batter mixture. So that's that's why you can kind of make this non-alcoholic friendly. Um, you could also make the batter and freeze it. Since it doesn't have alcohol, it will freeze really solidly. Um, and you could break it out whenever. To serve the Tom and Jerry here at Bryant's, they pour one ounce of warm brandy and one ounce of warm dark rum into a warm mug. Then they top it with hot water. You stir in one heaping tablespoon of Tom and Jerry batter. Then you top it with nutmeg and garnish with a cinnamon stick. That's that's a great recipe. And that this is an authentic Wisconsin recipe. Tons of butter. Uh, this is going to fill you right up. <laughs> Uh, this might spoil your dinner. I don't know. Or it might just be a good uh, appetizer. It's like an appetizer in a beautiful Tom and Jerry mug. So that's the Tom and Jerry, one of my favorite holiday drinks. You can definitely find it and some info about it in the book. 
shout out to Bryant's and really appreciate that he uh, worked with the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel to get that recipe out there uh, for everybody to use and enjoy. That's amazing. All right. Now, before we get into throw it back to some of our Coquito content from a few years ago and give that recipe because we'll be making Coquito this weekend there at Monero on John's Island with the Puerto Rican chef and legend, Shamil Velasquez. Another drink that we'll be making that night is the Tequila Hurricane, which is in the book as Hurricane Patricia. The Hurricane being one of the more misunderstood drinks, if you go back through the archives, we have done a Shots episode about the Hurricane and kind of set the record straight. The original Hurricane is a very simple beverage. I found in messing around with it years ago that it's really well suited to tequila. Why? Well, because some of the tropical flavors in there and when you when you add the grenadine into it and say you add a touch of salt, maybe up the salt a little bit, you just have this insanely flavorful beverage that really asks for tequila instead of rum to me. Might be blasphemy, but uh, let me give you a recipe. If you want to make this tequila hurricane at home, this is from the book, but uh, you do two ounces of, I'd say a Blanco tequila, but a Reposado would go really well with some of the tropical notes. The Reposado is going to give you that little hint of vanilla. Um, so go either way. Uh, but two ounces of tequila, three-quarter ounce of pineapple juice, fresh pineapple juice, uh, three-quarter ounce of fresh lime juice, a half ounce of passion fruit cordial, which we've got that recipe in the book. Uh, maybe you can find a passion fruit puree at the store, some frozen passion fruit puree, um, half ounce of that. Quarter ounce of grenadine. And that's real pomegranate grenadine, really easy to make if you just bought pomegranate juice at the store, mixed it with sugar, say equal parts. And then we've got a really beautiful, more exotic grenadine recipe in the book as well. A dash of a citrus bitters. I love the Dram citrus bitters. We also have a really cool recipe in the book of citrus bitters. Um, then you're going to do a little tiny pinch of salt, one dash of Angostura bitters, and uh, you're going to pulse that in a blender for six to eight seconds, tiki style, with say about eight ounces of ice or so, eight to 10 ounces of ice, and then serve that in a Pilsner glass or a Hurricane glass and garnish with a pineapple frond and a slice of orange and maybe an orchid if you got one. Um, so that's the tequila hurricane, and that will help to cure your seasonal affective disorder. So we talked about the Tom and Jerry, which is great for cold nights. But if you're someone who, you know, the too much too much cold, too many gray skies are getting you down, look to the tequila hurricane. So stoked to be making that for people here uh, this weekend in Charleston. All right, another thing we'll be doing is Coquito. So let's throw it back to our episode with Shamil Velasquez, and we're going to talk some Coquito and uh, give a recipe. And I'll just play a little clip from that episode now. Tell me about some of the, the Christmas traditions in Puerto Rico. I know that the Christmas Eve is a big deal. And a lot of times there's like pig roasts that go into the night and the next day. But what can oh, yeah. you recall as some of your uh, some Christmas traditions that, that for Navidad there in Puerto Rico? So I'll say this in there. If if there's any better time in Puerto Rico to visit Puerto Rico, it's Christmas, I would say. Oh, cool. And a lot of people like to go during the summertime because of the beach and everything. And 
I would just say there's something in the air during Christmas in Puerto Rico that 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 anybody you know just is so happy, so humbling, so everybody just wants to share what they have with you, and it's so opening. Unfortunately, I don't know how it is right now because the situation that we're going through, but it is definitely that time of the year that is just wow. I would say food left and right, drinks left and right, and everybody's just like, hey, I have this to give and much more just come inside sort of attitude and and that's really humbling is it is great so someone some of the traditions that i would say that stand out in my head right off the rip is definitely a lechon having the the local pork like you said being roasted over leña which is our type of uh charcoal wood that, that we have on the island mm. um we definitely don't go low and slow in a way we Usually we go for skin. That's that's our main goal there. Get okay. that, that crunchy, crackling, golden skin. And uh-huh. then we usually marinate the pork with like garlic, oregano, uh, salt, and black pepper. Uh-huh. And uh, that itself just get marinated. And then the pig goes over the leña and little by little do you get that beautiful married reaction on that skin. And it's just, wow. Um, that's amazing. But obviously, if you have that beautiful pork, you got to bring it down with something. So, yeah. for beverages themselves, I would have to say that we, we're definitely a beer drinking type of island, I would say. Mm-hmm. Uh, we like to drink our local beer called Medalla. Mm-hmm. Uh, tiny little cans you can find some sometimes for like a buck around the island. Uh, but we drink that usually while you're roasting the pork. But also, within that, there's a couple other drinks that we have. Uh, one is Coquito, like you said. Yeah. And another one is called Pitorro. Um, so those, those are some of the things that that I look forward to, at least that camaraderie of sharing drinks and, hey, here, have a little piece of the skin. Oh, here, have a little piece of the tripe, you know. Oh, it's awesome. Oh, that's great. Yeah, grilling and chilling, drinking a bunch of beer. Absolutely. That sounds yeah. that sounds incredible around Christmas. So we mentioned Coquito. What was the other one? Pitorro. Pitorro. Tell me about yes. Pitorro. So Pitorro, Pitorro is um, something from the mountains. Actually, the second name to it is called Lagrimas del Monte, Tears of the Mountain. Yes. Um, so this is very, very, very special to me. Uh, I think every family has one. Uh, it's pretty much, I think the best way I can put it is uh, moonshine, if you will. Uh, uh-huh. done, uh, in the streets, if you will, in the mountains, um, made from sugarcane. And it is illegal in the island because of the high proof that it has mm-hmm. saying that they you, you usually can find it from the people that sell it. They sell it out of their trunks or whatever. It's very, it's very hidden in a way, but yeah. every, everybody knows that it happens, but everybody kind of looks the other way in a way. Sure. It's just such a part of the tradition for us. And usually you see them starting to come out in November. So I think every family usually has a guy or two, you know, uh-huh. or some families themselves uh, make it. I know my grandfather made one around, 20 years ago, I would say, and I still have a flask of it. Oh, wow. That, that is in my personal possession here in the States. No comment on how I got that here, but the point is. Sure. Um, <laughs> uh, that was actually my Christmas gift uh, last year. Uh, it was pretty, pretty heartwarming for me to get that. But the point is. Oh, that's great. So I'll give you an example. My grandfather has his, and, and, and there's different flavors you can do. There's anything from co- uh, from coconut to passion fruit. You can make the classic one, which usually involves raisins and cinnamon and different spices like that. My personal favorite is the coconut one. I think in my family right now there's one that's around five years old. 
that they started not so long ago. And then the one my grandfather did was with the raisins and currants and cinnamon sticks in there and other spices. So pretty much they give you, let's say the, the person who makes it uh, gives you the clear liquid and then you infuse it. Mm-hmm. And then pretty much uh, there are some families that bury it in their backyard and take it out every year. Okay. Yeah. Earth age. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. then other families just put it in the in the cabinet and just forget about it. Mm-hmm. And then come Thanksgiving or pretty much any celebration, they take it out and you pretty much get the little screw cap of the top of the rum bottom. Be like, here, share, and you just take a shot, and three shots will do you for sure. Uh huh. That stuff is uh, no joke. I um, bet. But it is it is definitely it's not hard though. That's that's the that's the thing. At least the one that my grandfather that I have some in my position, he it's it's almost like a brand. It's very 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 smooth, mm. but it is strong and they're unfiltered and it's just delicious and it's just every. I think every party you go to, every house has one, and you're like, hey, what flavor do you have? Hey, what do you have? And once you start taking shots and the music is going and the food, uh, uh, it's a party and a half I'll tell you that it's, it's definitely fun more seen in Christmas for sure that's amazing yeah y'all know how to do it right I need to I need to do Christmas in Puerto Rico um, I need to do Christmas in Puerto Rico absolutely and Coquito's a, a big thing in your family can you tell me so we know Coquito to be coconut milk coconut cream um, condensed milk a lot of times what what else um <laughs> It's the it's the coquit it's the uh, coconut cousin to to eggnog that we're we're more familiar with here in the states, but people are really getting interested, and more people are making coquito here in the states. It seems like. Yeah. So, to me, to me, coquito. This one's more on my on my mother's side, and like I said, it's one of those drinks again that you see people starting selling in November, right around Thanksgiving. Um, but coquito itself is something that I grew up that my mother making as a gift to a lot of people or she would make it for the whole family and every every person my aunt would get a bottle my grandma would get a bottle and everybody would have a bottle depending on the party or the house we go to there's a bottle available so the coquito itself is pretty much uh like you said evaporated milk sweet condensed milk coconut cream coconut milk and then we make a tea if you will Uh on the side that has uh, cloves, cinnamon, allspice sometimes. And then my mother personally likes to add a little hint of ginger for spiciness. Uh-huh. And pretty much you steep that um, and you mix that liquid with the, um, with the dairy itself. And then you take equal parts of that to a white rum or brown rum either. Or my mom's choice is Donku, uh, which mm. is the local rum. Yeah. And pretty okay. much once you have all that, together you pretty much let it sit and then the trick is you always got i mean i grew up having a little bottle on the side because obviously mine couldn't have alcohol but when you're a kid you're you're still drinking it without the rum uh-huh they, they put you on it when you're very young for oh sure. cool okay yeah, yeah. they're like but you no, need to like this yeah yeah absolutely they, they call <laughs> it um uh beer hang a virgin one for sure so okay they usually give you a little bottle for the kids and that's that. That's great. Well, yeah, I, and it seems like it's more common in Puerto Rico to be made with the with the white rum, the Silver Don Q, whatever you want to call it. Um, so that seems to be a, one of the defining characteristics as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's some people that also add the, the, the raw pitorro in there, too. Oh, yeah. There's no, uh, there's no right or wrong way to do this. Let's put it that way. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like a really good mashup if you had a, a – spirit that was aging you know or infusing for years and then you added a little bit of that that sounds incredible 
Yeah, I know. I mean, I could only think is my, like I said, my family right now, my brother, he has a coconut one and, um, and I'm sure that would be delicious in there. That's strong as all hell, but uh, shit, I mean, <laughs> I'm sure it'll be good. Well, I want to come, I want to come, uh, taste your family's coquito when the, when the <laughs> pandemic's over. Please do. We actually, funny you say that because last year we missed the mark just because we were opening up and I di- it didn't even really click. I think it's taken me a while to come out of the, of the shelf to put on like Puerto Re- a lot of Puerto Rican flair in the menu itself. I think I was better holding myself back, but sure. I think the guests, the guests have liked it a lot. So we definitely be coming out with a lot more and we put Coquito on the menu this year and um, Jessica Bagus, um, She's been, I think, on the podcast before as well. But oh, yeah. I pretty much presented my recipe that I have it in my notes on my phone because every year I got to call my mom. I was like, hey, mom, how do you do this again? And she's like, two of these, one of these, and one of these, and then a hint of that. And I'm like, great, I'm going to write it out. So I actually had the recipe on my notes, and I was like, hey, this is what I put in it. This is what my mother puts it in, and it comes out every time. I don't have measurements. Uh-huh. Um but I just know how it comes out. <laughs> sure. She literally started doing it, and then we started playing with the flavor. I was like, it's good, but your texture's off. You know, it has to have a little thicker texture, in my opinion. Uh-huh. Or it needs a little hint. It has to have a little kick in the back of the throat with the ginger. Or, or And then we she started bringing in different liqueurs and different uh, items that I was just a little skeptic about it. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then... Uh, and I was just like, no, that works. And then I ended up adding a little bit of Angostura bitters, and I was like, holy shit, this is life. Like, that's awesome. Like, that works. So it was it, it was pretty fun, me being able to give her my recipe and Kevin and King, and, and they take the recipe and just, like, flip it around and just, wow. Oh, that's great. And a lot of family recipes are like that, especially around the holidays. There's recipes that uh, people struggle to get right because – it was like, well, you just got to watch me make it, you know, that kind of thing, where your grandma's saying, well, I can't really tell you exactly how I made it. Oh, yeah. Um, with everything with them. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. yeah. You mentioned texture. Where, where, um, what was it lacking when it needed texture? Where do, where, where do you get that texture from, would you say? The sweet, the sweet condensed milk. Okay, yeah. And the coconut cream. They, some, I, see, it depends, because... Uh, back home, we put everything over ice. I put my milk and orange juice over ice, as weird as that sounds, but mm-hmm. it's just so hot over there that we just put everything on ice. It's sure. so simple. Yeah. Um, so, Coquito, traditionally, I drink it with ice. A lot of families don't. Uh, oh. I think it's I think it's just my personal preference that I like it with ice, and to me, that texture was missing. So, when you add the ice, it starts to dilute a little bit with the water and whatnot, so they're actually keeping it uh, really cold, really cold, and then they put it on a frozen coop. Um, on it and then grate a little bit of cinnamon on there. But I think it was just more the texture of the coconut cream and the evaporated uh, the sweet condensed milk together, I would say. Yeah, and you mentioned um, Angostura is, and I would imagine Angostura would, would mimic some of those spices that you use. Um, yes. is Ang- but is Angostura like prevalent or or something that you see used a lot in Puerto Rico? I'll be honest, um now the scene has definitely coming up with the more craft cocktail. Yeah. Um, my type of bar in Puerto Rico, um, I pay two, three bucks for maximum for home squeeze orange juice or pineapple juice or 
acerola, which is like a tartarian we have, or guava, like any of those tropical fruits that you think that's uh, freshly there, and then rum, and that's it. Like, there's not really, like, mixing involved. Sure. <laughs> like, it's just bars over there, my, at least the bars I grew up going to, they're so simple mm-hmm. that they just have beer and whatever's on the well, which is pretty much the same always, and mix one and the other and call it a day. There's nobody shaking drinks. Yeah. Usually you stick your finger in it and shake it yourself. And <laughs> so you, get the, you get the thin red straw and you just drink away. And they're so cheap, but they're so good that way. But I think recently, in the, the I would say in the last five years, there's uh, probably more than that. I just, I, I, I was never paying attention to it, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was just, I was like my tower bar. But recently I've been to Puerto Rico a couple of times and I go out. And like if I was going out in downtown Charleston or anywhere else, I'd live that and, and go out to eat the way I do out here. And I'm like, holy shit, like that's that's pretty awesome. They're doing different drinks with like culantro and different simple syrups and definitely using a lot of great different rums like rum barrilito, which is another great rum. Mm-hmm. Um, that's I, I actually found a bottle here. I was doing a, um, an event at Palmetto Bluff and one of the guys on the liquor shop there and he took me in the middle of the day he's like oh i gotta show you my liquor shop we just hit it off and he showed me he had a bottle of rum barrelito and i freaked out i was like oh my god i'm buying this tonight and it's it so good yeah i love that rum and there are there's a there's a little fan base for it here in nashville i would say is it really um there's it's actually from my hometown Puerto Rico, Miami. oh wow yeah that's a great rum oh it's fantastic i actually just Plain. I don't. I don't really drink rum plain, like, mm-hmm. uh, meat or anything like that. I, I'm not a big guy like that. Usually, like a mixing. But the first time I had that one, I had those strong vanilla notes right off the rip. I was just like, "This is good. Like, this is real good." I just grew up on Donku. That's like, that's the, the the childhood rum and the one I still drink today with a little bit of Coca Cola and lime. Yeah, Donku is solid. Well, we when I was a chopper, what we really liked about um which was the Tiki Bar open la- about a year and a half ago here in Nashville. If you if if we were making cocktails, tiki drinks that had like a lot of different flavors, spice, the Ron Barilito, it really held up to all those big flavors. And it just had so much flavor. Nothing could really, you know, move it out of the way, so to speak. You know, one one rum that I uh when I got to Charleston and I started hanging out with Kevin King and he's like showing me all the different techniques that he uses and he's just blowing my mind with probably like the simplest things in, in, in the bartender world. I think I had the one drink that he blew my mind with and still to this day, like, wow, it's as simple as it sounded, daiquiri. Oh, um, yeah. With uh, plantation pineapple. Oh, yeah. And I, I didn't know what that was and I got my mind like, whoa, like... If they're not drinking this back home, they're doing it wrong because, like, the population over there would kill over this. Like, it is so good. So good. And that rum itself, like, I remember he showed it to me. And I was like, the next day, I went out. I bought a shaker. I bought Angostura bitters. I bought, I bought the kit, you know. I, oh, wow. Oh, this, this is mine. Like, this is my <laughs> new drink. Yeah. I was, like, so I was, like, texting him pictures and whatnot. But the plantation pineapple, wow, that's that's a good one, too, I would say, for sure. That's a great one. They need to do Ron Barilito pineapple. That, that would be killer because, you know, the pineapple back home is – there's a lot of pineapple that grows back home, and it's very different from the one in the state. I would, I would say it's a lot more tart, a lot more acidic. Mm. Uh, and they're definitely on the smaller side. There's bigger ones, but, like, 
nice and tart, but then you also have your sweetness once they ripe up really good and juicy. Oh, they're so good. We actually, we use the rinds to make hot sauce back home with it. Oh, so, cool. Oh, yeah. Good it, stuff. Do you, do you make tapache in, uh, in Puerto Rico, the kind of fermented pineapple skin beverage? We have something similar. Uh-huh. Um, I would say it's hot sauce. Hot sauce is done the same way. Okay. Okay. <laughs> because, yeah. Yeah. Um, I remember Jessica Backus was making tepache in, in the restaurant for a drink um, that we had the, uh, one of our opening drinks. And I was like, oh, that's so cool. We make hot sauce in such a similar way. We just ferment it longer. So yes and no, but definitely, definitely not. I think the, the pineapple runs are only used for that specifically. So that probably gives a little tropical hit to it, I would imagine. Yeah, we we do have a we do have a. I think all bars back home have what we call chichaito. Chichaito means like a little. Um, I don't even know like a curse in here, um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it means a little fucked up, if you will. Okay. A little, a little, a little hit, a little nip. So this. Uh, we pretty much they, they have them all flavors, and they're usually at a dollar at all the bars. I think every bar makes their own mix, and it's usually like a mix of anise-type liquor that they make, and they mix in the fruit with it, whether it's pineapple juice or uh, passion fruit or the guava, et cetera. And then they have like a list with like all these, and, oh, you got to try this one. And, oh, everybody gets a shot. Boom. Oh, wow. So, it's definitely a very uh, alcohol-friendly community in Puerto Rico, for sure. It sounds like a party. <laughs> it, it's, not, it's, 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 it's not even like everybody gets... It's more of a, of a, it's a vibe. Together, get, yeah, getting together and having a couple of drinks and having some laughs and a good time, a couple of dances, and then to all that, boom, all the food behind it. It's all about sharing, and I think that's that's the most important part of all our drinks and all our food. It's family, and being humble and then just sharing what you have and what you know with your neighbor, if you will. I love that. Awesome, dude. Well, thank you so much. All right, and before we go today, I'm going to throw things over to cocktail correspondent Jess Backus, who writes uh, some really great party planning tips throughout the book. This is her story, and it's an old Bill Parcells story called Runways Last, about uh, how you can prioritize your holiday uh, budgeting for your party and um, take a cue from the old Air Force, where they would put the runways last in the budget because... They knew they could get the runways approved because after you build the airplanes and everything else, where are you going to land them? Um, so that's kind of a, a trick that Bill Parcells learned and would later use that for budgeting purposes for uh, football teams, athletic departments. And of course, we want to use it to booze up your holiday party. Let's throw things to Jessica Backus. There are many qualities that transfer easily from the sports industry to the hospitality industry and vice versa. One of my favorite books to share with restaurant managers is a coaching book, Talent and the Secret Life of Teams by Terry Pettit, a very successful college volleyball coach. The formulas for success in both arenas are interchangeable and dependent on teamwork, ingenuity, and accountability. My dad was a great college football coach in his 20s and many years later was an astute managing partner slash owner-operator of a Western-style hospitality venue. He extended his coaching charisma into his banquet and management setting. He used to say he wished he could replay footage from events with the staff, like game footage in the locker room, so that he could revisit how the night went, 
see who had dropped the ball, and figure out ways to improve. Now, most restaurants have security cameras, and they absolutely can and do turn to footage to keep the guests safe and secure, happy, and, if necessary, accountable in the event of an incident or a complaint. Hosting a holiday gathering is very much like a banquet evening or restaurant service, and relatable to sports when it comes to planning and budgets. Everyone is expected to deliver a satisfying result within reasonable expectations, all while not spending too much money. Whether sharing delicious cheer or attempting to win a national championship, working within your means can be challenging, but exceedingly successful with ingenuity and creativity. My dad worked with the great coach Bill Parcells, who was known for innovative success on the football field and in his programs. On Parcells' desk in the football office, where a nameplate would normally be, he simply had a sign that read, Runways Last. The coach had taken on the enormous challenge of transforming a losing football team, the Air Force Academy, into a championship team that could, most importantly, beat their rivals at Navy. When he arrived at the school, he asked the difference between the two institutions. He was told that when Air Force was given the order from Congress to build a new air base, the first thing they would build would be the runways, followed by the airplane hangars, and then housing for the officers and enlisted people. Prior to building the officers' club, they would run out of money, at which point they would go back to Congress to ask for more money to build the officers' club. Congress would turn them down, claiming there was no money left in the budget. The Navy, on the other hand, when given the charge from Congress to build an air base, would first build the officers' club, and then the housing for personnel, and then the hangars for the aircraft. At this point, they would run out of money and would go back to Congress to ask for the money needed to build the runways. Congress would, of course, appropriate the funds. According to my dad, early in Bill's tenure at the academy, the weight room was improved, sweats and workout gear upgraded, Uniforms tweaked, but no new helmets were ordered. There was no money left in the budget, until there was. When planning a holiday party, beverages must be at the top of the budget list. Food is necessary, and decorations create cheer, but the drinks you serve at the party are the rug that ties the room together. People would much rather spend time in the officer's club than on the runway. Tasty, thoughtful beverages will make the food more delicious, the decorations better appreciated, and will set the tone for the entire night. All right. Thanks so much for listening today to this holiday-centric episode of Liquid Gold. We'll be back with more holiday content next week. Got a busy last couple weeks of the year for us. And again, we'll be at Josephine on 12 South Thursday, December 22nd with signed copies of the book and doing plenty of nog, plenty of eggnog. So we look forward to that. Thanks for listening. Thanks for the support. My name is Mike Wolf, and we'll see you next time on Liquid Gold.